Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, July the 27th, 2023. It is currently 3.05 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Law and gospel. We have been working long and hard and trying to understand law and gospel. We've got 90 plus hours of teaching, but no matter if you've done 90 hours of teaching, 100 hours of teaching, 200 hours of teaching, there are always going to be questions about law and gospel and the proper distinction. And the reason there's always going to be so many questions Number one is because we, inside of us, inside of you and inside of me, our sinful nature, we are just programmed to be law-based in our thinking. A law-based mindset is just the way we operate. We are law-based in our parenting. We are law-based in our our relationships. We are law-based in society. We are just law-based. Do this. Don't do this. Punishment for this. You don't deserve this. Everything is just law. Do. Don't. Punishment. Condemning. Judging. We are just law-based individuals. Because we're so law-based, when you hear this teaching of a proper distinction between law and gospel, it sometimes is like, whoa, that goes against everything inside of you. And I understand it because we have a sinful nature. Number two, I think a reason there's so many questions is if you go to church, you hear constantly that we are a gospel-based ministry and we believe in salvation by Christ because by grace alone, faith alone, because of Christ alone. And you say amen to that, but they inject law into their gospel. And you, and so because you've so heard the gospel basically filled with law that when you hear the proper dis- distinction between law and gospel, it makes no sense to you because you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. The, go- the gospel is this. And the way you will start talking about the gospel is almost like you're talking about the law and you don't even realize that you are using this kind of gospel, this law-based gospel, um, and it, it, it becomes an absolute mess. So I, I think those are some of the reasons why we, we have so many questions. And, and look, I think we can add another one. It's just complicated. It's difficult. These nuances and the distinctions and, and how it works in this situation and how it works in that situation. What about this? And what about that? So in the spirit of all of these questions and all of these difficulties, We're going to look at an email that I received. In fact, let me look it up. Let me look it up here. When did I receive this email? Uh, When did they send this email? Um, This person was sent to me on July the 26th at 7.42 p.m. July the 26th at 7.42 p.m. So that was yesterday when I received this. Now, this person has emailed me a, a, a lot uh, they they usually ask lots of very good questions. They also offer uh, some very uh, nice words and some encouraging words, and so I'm very appreciative. But all of their emails are always usually challenging and 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 helpful and beneficial. So um, I'm not going to give their name because they didn't tell me I could. But I'm going to try to read through this email 
And the only reason I want to read through this email is because I just think it encapsulates a lot of questions you probably have. This is one of those situations where one person asks some questions and everyone would have probably like, amen, I've been thinking the same thing. Well, I, I like you, 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 you stole my questions from me. So we're just going to go through this and we're going to do careful. I will skip. Some of the personal information, I may have to include some of it, but I'm not going to give the name so that you can't connect the personal information with the person. Um, but I, I'm going to do my very best here. Hopefully it will be, I hope this will be beneficial. All right, here we go. And I quote, if you shouldn't use the law to determine whether you, you're a real Christian, then on the flip side, what do you think about people who use the gospel as a free pass to sin all they want? All right, now let, let's work through this, okay? If you shouldn't use the law to determine whether you're a real Christian, so now now I, I, I believe that that's the case, that I'm dogmatically committed to that. If you use the law, so we just talked about it in our last episode. If you use the law to try to determine whether you're a real Christian, then you're always, the answer is always going to be, no, you are not. Because if you lay your works next to God's law, it's always going to be, you are lost. And you can't modify that and grade it on a curve. So if you look to the law to determine whether you're saved, the answer is going to be you're not. So then what happens on the flip side, if someone does, someone comes along and says what, and they ask me this, or someone is asking this question, what do you think about someone who uses the gospel as a free pass to sin all they want? So what do you do if someone comes along and says, you're right, the law doesn't save me, the law can't save me, so because of the gospel, I can sin all I want. Well, immediately I know it demonstrates that they've never truly been broken, but it seems to indicate to me they've never truly been broken by the law. Because if they've been truly broken by the law, then what they would do, they wouldn't be saying, oh, so now I can sin all I want. They would be still so broken by the law that they would be, I need Christ. They wouldn't be like, hey, I can do whatever I want. They would be like, I I need Christ. I need Christ. I need Christ. They would be broken and humbled over the law and they would want to run to Christ. That's so very important to understand that distinction. All right. All right. Uh, so, uh, I, I think, I think that's so important. Uh, that I think, I think it's so important, uh, that we understand that, that if someone demonstrates that attitude, I don't think the law has really done a work in that, the right work in them because the law, look, I know, I know that I have the gospel and I rest in that, but I also know that God still hates sin. I still know that the law condemns my actions. I'm still feel guilty over that. I'm still broken. I, I don't just say, well, now I can do whatever I want. Now I'm like, oh, Christ died for me and I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy. I'm sorry. You still keep running to him with your sin. You're still you're like, there would be a different attitude. The attitude wouldn't be, I can just do whatever I want. The attitude would be like, man, Christ has to keep forgiving me because I keep sinning. You still, there would be a, like the law breaks you. The law crushes you. The law humbles you. Doesn't mean you're going to immediately want to stop the sinning. It doesn't mean you're going to immediately want to, you're going to stop loving the sin. It just means you're going to see how sinful it is. And so you're not going to be like, well, I can just do it. It'll be more like, 
Maybe I can, I'll just even throw this out. Even if you can do it, right? Even if we, even if we acknowledge you can, the point is you would still feel broken by it. It wouldn't be some like flaunting it or, or like uh, anything like that. I'd be looking for where's the brokenness over the law. The law is supposed to crush you. Where, where is the person going? And I still love my sin. I still commit my sin. I still want to do my sin. But man, I feel so broken because of it. Thankful. I'm thankful for Christ and his forgiveness. So that, that would be my initial thoughts right, right from the start. So let me, let me read this to you again. If you shouldn't use the law to determine whether you're a real Christian, then on the flip side, what do you think about people who use the gospel as a free pass to sin and all they want? Well, again, depending on their attitude, if they, if they're looking at it as a free pass, they're still being, they're not, they don't have a contract heart. So they, they, they need the law and they need to be crushed under it. They go on to say, I ask this because I have known professing Christians who've actually stated they can do what they want now because in the end they will go to heaven anyway. Now, now listen. Um, yes, a person like that needs the law. Absolutely. A person like that needs the law. Amen. They definitely need the law. So let me, let me state this really quick. Okay. Now, these questions, I want to make sure you understand this. Even if someone, even if someone, even if uh, does not even believe in a proper distinction between law and gospel, these questions could be asked to anyone who believes in the eternal security of the believer. Because a lot of people say, well, oh, so I'm once saved, always saved. Well, then I can do whatever I want. Now, the question is when someone starts saying, well, because God, God saves me by grace alone, can I do anything I want? The issue is, how do you address that? Lordship says you address it by saying, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. If you do this and this and this and this, you were never saved. Well, that's using the law to determine someone's salvation. What I would say a long gospel answer would be, what do you mean you can do whatever you want now? The issue is, why do you want to continue to do that? Why are you not broken over it? Why are you not humbled by it? Why are you not crushed by it? And and as someone in the chat just said, they need the law. They definitely need the law. They need they need it. All right. Um. So they they go on to say so they go on to here I'm trying to I'm trying to read ahead before I read it aloud to make sure that you know hey should I read that okay here we go so they I asked this because I have known professing Christians who have actually stated they can do what they want now because in the end they will go to heaven anyway one example that comes to mind is a man I knew who was struggling really bad with a certain sin I don't want to name the sin because I don't want to do that uh, not because I'm embarrassed to do that or because I'm afraid to talk about it, it's because, well, these are people, these are real people. This is not just some illustration on paper. It's real people. And so we don't need to know the sin. Let's just say that they were struggling really bad. Now, if they were really struggling, that would mean either, are they struggling to stop it? Or are they struggling with their guilt? Are they, they know what's wrong? Okay, that would be a good sign if they're really struggling. He had believed that Jesus was his savior and died for his sins for over a decade. He finally decided to live out these desires he was struggling with. He said he knew it was wrong, but he might as well be happy while he was down here on earth because it will, it was all being forgiven anyway when he died and he was going to heaven no matter how he lived. Okay. Now law and gospel would say this man needs the law. 
He's taking rest. He's, he's, he's almost, re- he's resting innocent. He's not resting in the forgiveness of Christ. He's resting in the, si- there's a difference. When you're resting in Christ, you're like, man, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I should not be doing this, but I find hope in Christ. This is like, hey, I'm going to rest in my sin because all's going to be forgiven anyway. They're not resting in Christ. They're resting in the sin almost. Now, some would say, well, no, they're resting in Christ, but they're, but then they're pursuing the sin. That sounds like they, they, they had come to peace with their sin. They'd basically come to peace with, I have this sinful desire because I have Christ. Now I can pursue it. That to me is you're resting in the sinful desire. Look, here's the thing. Even though all of your sins are forgiven, even though your salvation is not based on what you do or don't do, that action is still sinful. It is still condemned by the law. And the law should still be condemning you, crushing you. The law should still be inflicting guilt upon you and you keep running to Christ. You don't just say, okay, I got Christ, I'm good. No, you should be like, oh man, I still feel the weight of this. Like, even though you're doing it, you still may, now this is very important. You still may do it. That doesn't prove you're not saved. But what, what you should be concerned with is that you're doing it and you don't feel guilt about it. You're just like, yeah, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it. Where, where is the guilt? Where's the struggle? Where's the, where's the, the, the conscience, you know, striking at you? Where, where's anything? That would, that would be my issue. So my issue, and I think this is important. We always want to be able to figure out for ourselves who we can say is saved or not saved. It's not my job to figure out whether a person is saved or not saved. So here's what I would say. You claim to be a follower of Christ? Wonderful. I'm concerned because you don't seem that broken over the sin. You don't seem so conflicted over it. You don't seem to have any guilt over it. You seem to have just come to the conclusion that, hey, because I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want. How is that? what, What kind of gratitude is that for Christ? What kind of love is that for Christ? What kind of, like, should you not pursue and try to hate that which God hates? Like, I would just be asking questions. It's not even to me really an issue about one salvation. I would just be trying to struggle with them. Like, look, I can understand that you're tired of struggling. I can understand you want to give up. I can understand being so frustrated, but we still struggle. Now, that doesn't mean you're always going to be successful. There's going to be failure, but the struggle should be there, right? I mean, don't you hear it in the words of Paul? Lord, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those I do. Lord, who can deliver me? You, there, that, there should be that brokenness and that struggle and that pain. It shouldn't just be like, well, I'm good to go. Now, now are you going to ask me then? Well, does that prove the person is saved or not saved? See, that that's using some law-based standard to prove that. If they put their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, praise God. They they say they believe in Jesus. They, the doc, they, they've got the right doctrine, the right theology. Then I'd be, praise God. Then I'd be like, okay, we got to... We got to, we got why are you doing this way? Why are you thinking this way? What, I would be trying to figure out what is wrong. That's a very spiritually immature attitude. That's a very fleshly, ungodly attitude. Should you not care at all about your, like, I would be asking these questions. 
trying to figure it out. But they need the law and they need to be crushed by the law. They go on to say this. Um, that was years ago and he's still claiming that attitude. Now see that, that's, that doesn't show spiritual growth. That doesn't show any spiritual growth at all. I, I would want to, I mean, personally, I would want to know, I would want to talk about the person's spiritual life. Like, you know, what, what sermons are they listening to? What are they reading their Bible? Are they studying the Bible? I would just want to know what's going, like, forget the, that particular sin. I would just want to know, what are you doing in your spiritual life? Because I think the more you're reading your Bible, you're confronted with God's law. The more you see your sin, you're broken over it. The more you're driven to Christ, the more you're driven to Christ, the more gratitude should be in your heart. That gratitude should want you to then try to move away from the sins that you know God hates. So to me, there's some deeper issues here. Like, what, where are they at spiritually? What are they? What church do they go to? What, what, you know, what, what, what doc, what sermons do they listen to? What's their Bible study look like? What is their like? To me, there's something going on there spiritually. I'm not even going to question salvation. I would be going those direct. Like, what, come on, where are you at spiritually? What's your? Well, what is? What's going on in your Christian life at all? I think that I, I can't speak for everyone else, but I know for me, look, I truly believe that my salvation is finished because of Christ. But the more, every time I'm opening my Bible, listening to sermons, I get convicted and I get convicted and I get convicted and I get convicted and I get convicted. And, I get convicted and I'm like, oh, I run to Christ to, re- to find peace, but I'm always like, why? What? Okay, man. Okay, maybe I can do better here. Okay, maybe I know I know it's never going to be perfect, but I'm not doing it in order to prove that I'm saved. I'm doing it because I'm grateful and 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 hopefully there's some love in my heart for Christ. Should there not be some love? Look, we're never going to love God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. That's why we need Christ. But there should be some love for Christ, right? There should be some hatred for sin, right? I would think so. All right. Um, then he, uh, they went on to say, I knew another person who had the very same attitude about a different sin problem. This person had been a believer for years, but started in a certain behavior. Uh, he said he knew it was a sin, but he knew he would be forgiven. In the end, anyway, he decided not to fight it, but enjoy it. He died from a heart attack at a young age. Now, again, this to me is not even about law and gospel. This is more about the attitude of eternal security. This is about, I have eternal, because this is always the accusation about those who believe in eternal security. Those who believe in eternal security, they're always accused of, well, you're going to convince people they can live any way they want. Remember, the abuse of a truth does not disprove the truth. Okay? Um, Well, yeah, repentance, that's a good point. Okay. Uh, some people will define repentance as a change of behavior. Repentance is a change of mind. So their mind should be changed about that behavior that it is wrong and then try to pursue a different lifestyle, even though imperfectly. But just remember, anyone can, ab- the grace of God, the grace of God will always be, will always be in danger of being abused by sinful hearts. We don't change God's grace because people abuse it. 
We don't modify. We don't lessen the grace because people abuse it. We don't inject law into grace or into the gospel because people abuse it. What we say is you're in, you're, you seem to have no brokenness. You seem to have no a change of mind about it in any meaningful way. You seem to be almost living, you're living it up. You're enjoying it. You're not broken because of it. You need to hear God's law. That is condemned. That is wrong. That is sin. And it's, and it's almost like these are examples of individuals who are like, well, yeah, I know what's wrong, but it's almost like a shrug of the shoulder. I know what's wrong, but I'm going to enjoy life anyway, because somehow it'll all be forgiven in the end. That is an, un- I'll put it this way. That's an ungodly, spiritually immature, fleshly, carnal behavior. Am I saying that that means they're not saved? I'm not saying that. I'm saying something is spiritually, spiritually wrong at a very deep, deep, deep level. And the only way to to try to process it is you have to have a long conversation with them, right? You would have to be like, so... Like, what's going on in your spiritual life? Like, where, what, what's going on? Because there seems to be, to me, a million things missing. All right? They go on to say this. This person who's, who's writing, they grew up as a Mormon, and all they had was the law. All right? Um, when they were baptized at eight, they were terrified. I had been taught that I had reached the age of accountability and knew once I came up from the water that all my sins from that moment going forward was now all to be counted against me. After I was saved when I was 25, I witnessed uh, to my, to a Mormon. He was outraged by the gospel. And the first thing he said was, God would never give you a free card to sin. That's how everyone always, uh, but see that, that mindset that about the gospel, that reaction to the gospel, that is, that is what the gospel, the gospel always uh, creates that concern because our sinful heart was like, no, 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 the gospel. No, no. I know we're saved by grace alone through, uh, I know we're saved by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone, but, 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 no, 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 no. You, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do that. Our sinful nature, our nature just, recoils at the message of the gospel. It's too easy. It's too freeing. It's excusing sin. It, like we, 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 we immediately panic. That's typically how you know the gospel is being preached. When someone reacts that way, that meant you were preaching the gospel and it's clarity. If someone hears the gospel and don't go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying I can do whatever I want and be saved? If they don't almost ask that question, you didn't preach the gospel. That, that's, that's the normal reaction because it goes against everything in our mind because we're so law-based. All right. Uh, and of course, you know, they talk, well, obviously the Mormons have a completely different doctrinal system. Says the two examples of men I knew who decided what they would, that they would choose sinful desires because they were saved anyway, were doing what my father said. They were using God's grace as a free card to sin. Some people will abuse grace. Let's always be fair with that. All of us will abuse grace to some level. All of us do, do it. You do it. I do it. We all do it. God, because we are forgiven, we keep sinning, but let's be fair. We keep sinning because that's what we're going to do. Whether you pursue it outright or whether you fight against it, let's just be fair. Those two examples are people who just said, I'm not even going to fight it. I'm just going to live in it. In it. But if you have someone else who's fighting against it, 
they're still sinning. So whether those are pursuing it with a whole heart or someone else is pursuing it with half of a heart, the bottom line is everyone's still going to be sinning. So salvation still has to be based off the finished work of Christ because whether it, they give themselves fully to it or whether they're fighting against it, both would still be sinners. And if they compared their works to God's law, they would both be proven as lost. The case is those individuals are taking God's grace, the gospel, and in a sense, abusing it. But we don't change the gospel to, ch- to fight that abuse. What we do is to ask them, why are you abusing the grace of God? Why are you taking the grace of God and turning it into lasciviousness? Why are you taking the gospel and turning it into an excuse? Well, what is going on with you? Why does your heart not care about sin? Why are you not bothered? Why are you not convicted? Why are you not trying to pursue out of gratitude for what God has done for you, a life that moves away from the very sin Christ died for? But don't let abuse of something throw. We, we Sometimes we want to correct the abuse with injecting it with something other than the truth, and that that's the problem. John MacArthur would say these men were never saved to begin with. Now, again, that's that's what that's that's the answer. Well, wait a minute. If those men were never saved to begin with, then how is anyone saved to begin with? Because whether we're like them or not like them, we're all sinners, and our actions will never. Uh, ever fulfill God's law. God's law will always condemn us. So then what you have to do is, well, they're not saved because they're just pursuing it, but these people are saved because at least they're fighting against it. So fighting against it now is the proof of one's salvation? How much, how much do you have to fight against it? How successful do you have to be in fighting against it? No one can ever answer those questions. What I would say to those men, again, is I wouldn't even call into question their salvation at the beginning. I would just want to know about their salvation. I would want to know about their Christian life. I would want to know about what they're reading, what they're studying, if they're going to church, listening to sermons, like pursuing those things that someone who is, remember, salvation is, repentance is a change of mind. We've changed our mind about sin and God, right? And we've put our faith in Christ, well, that, that, that would, that would, it's got to look like something, right? Do, do I see that change of mind? Do I see that faith in Christ? Do I see any gratitude for being saved by the graciousness of God? That's what I would do. Now they go on to say, uh, would the, uh, um, or is using the gospel as a license to sin one of the sins that Jesus paid for on the cross? Oh, that's a great question. And it is. Look, every, okay, this is so, oh, wow, this is, that, that's actually the most profound part of the email. And I didn't even think about it until I just read it right then. Okay, this, this is a good question, all right? A good question, all right? And uh, wow, this is good. This is very important. Every sin has been paid for by Christ. So if these men are sinning because they are using the gospel as an excuse to sin, that sin itself has been paid for 
by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Us abusing a doctrine, that's a sin and that's been paid for. All of our sins are paid for by Jesus Christ. His blood removes all of our sin. Now, I know immediately people get nervous. Say, but, 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 but people are going to abuse it. There's always a chance people are going to abuse it. I will argue we all abuse it to some level. Right? I mean, ask yourself, have you stopped sinning? No. Why not? Well, because I can't. All right. So that means you're sinning. They're sinning. Everyone's sinning. What are we saved by? The finished work of Jesus Christ. To me, the issue is not about their salvation. The issue is first and foremost about what's going on with them spirit. Something is wrong there. Something is horribly, horribly wrong. Right? Those attitudes are not conducive to a spiritual minded person. They're not, they don't show someone who's changed their mind about sin or changed their mind about God. They seem to be devoid of any love for God and more love their sin than any even, even pursuit of pleasing God. Now it's another thing to go, man, I've been struggling and I am struggling and I struggle and I fall short and I struggle. Okay. Now that, that's, that's reality. There's, there's just something missing in these two examples. But yes, they're abusing of grace is paid for by grace. The abuse of grace is paid for by the grace of God in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's very important. Says, I'm a cur- I'm curious what your opinion is on people who seem to understand the gospel, profess their faith in Jesus, then on down the road use the gospel as a license to enjoy their sin. And this person uh, signed their name. I'll just give their first name. Uh, first name, Deb. Uh, an ex-Mormon, ex-Lordship Christian who is so very, very grateful for your teachings on long gospel. Well, I'm so grateful that you're grateful because I'm grateful that you're grateful. So thank you for being grateful because that's very important because I'm trying my best to, to get this across. So what is my opinion on people who seem to understand the gospel, profess their faith in Christ, and then down the road use the gospel as a license to enjoy their sin? Now, I'm I'm going to play amateur counselor here. I'm going to I'm going to play amateur counselor here. I think sometimes people talk like this and do this because they've just grown tired of the fight. You struggle and you struggle and you struggle. And at some point you're like, what's the point? The desire is never going to be taken away. I, 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 I feel guilty all the time. I just can't do this anymore. And they crumble and they just kind of say, look, you know what? I believe in Jesus. Yes, but I, I'm tired of fighting it. And just, they just decide to give in and go pursue that desire. And that is sad. Sometimes it's just, they're just trying to find some justification, but they're really just giving up. They're just grown tired of the fight. And I feel horrible for people like that because we're all fighting it. Look, I don't, I don't know what sin you're struggling with, but we all have sins we struggle with. We all have things we're fighting that we're just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just done. That's it. Here you go. It's like, it's like you're outside playing basketball and you just get sick and tired of it for whatever reason. You're like, here, like I'm, 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 I'm doing this behind the scenes. I'm taking off my shirt. Like I'm taking off my shirt here. I'm taking off my shirt on the basketball court. I'm throwing it at the people and I'm walking off the basketball court and said, that's it. I quit. I'm done. I'm just going home. 
right? Sometimes in the Christian life, you just, in a sense, you not that you really want to take off your shirt, but you just, in a sense, you're just like, that's it. I'm done. You're just like, that's it. I just, you're throwing everything away and you're like, that's it. I'm done. I'm just, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the guilt. I'm tired of fighting. And I, and we all reach that point. I think the longer you're a Christian, the more you will reach that point, especially if there's certain desires or things you struggle with. And it is never easy. It's never easy. Because what would be easy is if we just, those struggles just went away. But they don't. They continue. And that's the reality of the Christian life. We have this fight that with my mind, I serve the law of God. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. That's the Apostle Paul, the end of Romans chapter 7. But I thank God that therefore in Christ, there is now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That, that the good news is I am not condemned, even though I live this conflict. Sometimes the conflict, we cave into the conflict and just give up and go do what we want. Say, well, you know what? I, Jesus paid for my sins. And I can understand that mentality. The concern for me is, why, why did you give up? What happened? I can understand falling. I can understand failing. I can understand wanting to give up. But what made them give up? Was the desire just so strong that they could not resist? Then I would want to know what's going on in their spiritual life, though. Because even if you've given up, okay, you've given up to that sin, all right? You're living in that sin, okay? So how's the rest of your Christian life? What's going on now spiritually? What are you reading? What are you studying? What are you, what are you memorizing? What are you working? What sermons are you listening to? Have you just given up like all of Christian? Is it more like I've just given up every, like I, I'm going to tell you I believe in God. I'm going to tell you that it's wrong, but literally, if you look at their life, you're like, uh, is there any evidence of the existence of God anywhere in you, near you? That, that would, to me, be the bigger issue. If there's no existence of, there's no proof that God even exists anywhere in their life, that would be more of a concern. So I, I will say this, and probably some of you have struggled with these questions. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Here's what I would do. Every situation, there, there is never a black and white answer to these questions, right? Everybody always wants, there's not, there's not like some simple three questions. Every individual has to be treated as a unique individual. So if I'm talking to someone like this, I've got deeper questions though. So I'm going to always approach it with, with, before I get to their salvation, I'm just going to want to know about, so okay, let's, let's just forget that sin for right now. Well, come on, tell me about your Christian life. Come on, tell me. Tell me about your, how much joy you find in God's word. Tell me how much you, you know, you, you pursue the things of God. Like I, I want to, and if I just, and, and that at some point I may, like, if I just, it's just devoid of anything. There just seems to be nothing there. That's when I would be like, what do you think something's wrong? Do you, do you think something's wrong? Do you? And then I would just try to re- really get to the heart and I don't know how they're going to answer. And then as someone's already pointed out in chat, at some point I may have to remind them of the law and say, you know, you're you seem pretty comfortable in it. God, here's what God has to say about the behavior. Sin, condemned, ugly, worthy of death. 
He does not tolerate it. Do you not feel at all the weight of God's condemnation of it? You say, well, I'm forgiven. Yes, it doesn't change God's opinion of it. You now know God's will for you is not that. God's will for you is to move from it. The law, the law not only condemns, it informs, it tells you what behavior is right and what behavior is wrong. Now, I, again, I'm not saying that you're just going to stop doing it and not want to do it. I mean, man, I mean, look, if I, if I, if I was to make a list of all the sins I want to commit, all the sins I struggle, it would be long and it would be like, whoa, what is wrong with him? But guess what? It would be the same with you. So I would pursue it in a very individualistic basis, trying to go to what is deeper. And then the main thing I would really go to, I guess number two is the abuse of a doctrine doesn't disprove a doctrine. The abuse of a doctrine doesn't call into question the doctrine. It just calls into the question the people abusing the doctrine. We don't change the doctrine to correct the abuse of it. We condemn the abuse of it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, infl- I'm not going to inject law into the gospel because someone abuses the gospel. And remember this, and, and, and they basically stated it. Any abuse of the gospel is still forgiven, right? By what Jesus Christ did. Any abuse of God's grace, any, anyone trying to take the gospel and use it for the wrong reason, it's still forgiven in Christ. It's still a sin. And just note this. I think this is very important. They decided to take these certain sins and pursue them and live in them and enjoy them. But whether it was that sin or not, there would still be sin in their life. Even if they would have tried to avoid those sins, there would still have been sins. There is sin in everyone's life. So whether they gave up those sins, there would still be sin. Now, the, the thing is, what is the attitude towards the sin? What is a godly attitude towards the sin? Yes, I'm glad that they know that they're forgiven in Christ, but why are they not bothered by the sin? Why are they not broken over it? Because typically the way it works is like, okay, I know this is wrong. Oh, man. Okay, okay, okay. We got to be careful. Okay, we, oh, man. All right. Okay. We can't go there. Okay. Oh man. Okay. I want to go there. Oh man. What am I doing? Okay, man. I messed up. Okay. All right. I got to try again. Like it's this battle, but I know you can come to the point that just, you know, as I illustrated, I mean, you didn't see me because thank goodness I'm not on camera. I took off my shirt and threw it across the room. Like I'm on a basketball court, just mad. And like, that's it. I quit. I'm, I'm taking off my Jersey. I'm throwing it at you and I'm going home. Sometimes we just want to give up. And I understand that frustration. The, the fight against sin is a, it will last your entire life. It's a battle where you're going to constantly be bruised and battered. Your hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ for your salvation, but the struggle will always be there to some level. I don't know if that answered the question. I hope it did but I'm going to stop there because my head needs me to stop. All right. Email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Once again, thanks to the person who emailed me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, 
It was a great email. Thanks for the email encouraging me when only one person showed up at church. It was also another nice email. I really appreciate those. Um, and uh, yeah, I wish I wish I had an easy answer for you. Like I, I I'm not one of these just. I don't. I don't like simple answers because uh, complicated questions should not. Do, they don't deserve simple answers. Complicated questions deserve at least me doing my best to try to work through it with you. I wish every situation is unique. Every situation is different. I would try to get to what's really going on into the person, really going what's on spiritually, and then try to challenge them about why why they've just given up. Try to understand why they've given up. Understand their abuse of it doesn't mean I inject the gospel with something else and then, you know, that, that, hey, they're still going to be sinning no matter what they're doing. And that Christ pays for all of those sins. The hope is still the gospel. But they may need, you know, law. They may, may, may have needed law. One may still need it. The other one obviously has passed. There we go. News, if at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to go find food and something and turn on the air conditioning because it's 175 degrees up here. All right. Thanks for listening. 40 minutes. I don't know if I really helped anyone. Don't even know if I helped myself there, but hopefully it was worth the discussion. Thanks for listening. God bless.